You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the A-Side Live Show here on MMAfighting.com. I am, of course, Jose Youngs, as our mustachioed introductor uh, pointed out. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, joining this week is, of course, Casey Lydon, but no one wants to hear from him. Uh, but Sarah Kaufman is making her return. MMA fighter, PFL fighter, former UFC fighter, former Strike Force fighter, all that fun stuff. So, Sarah, how's life up in Vegas? Uh, well, I mean, for me, it's down in Vegas, but it's pretty good. Um, you know, I came down here to to help JoJo Calderwood get ready for a fight this weekend, kind of last minute. Uh, it all got thrown together. I'm not always the best at sporadic decisions, um, but I feel pretty good about being down here. You know, my weight's really good, too. So if something were to come up, if someone were to get injured or if they were to get sick, uh, you know, hopefully there's an opportunity for me to to step in and get some action in the cage. Casey, how's life with you? I'm sure we're going to have a lot of questions on Joanne Calderwood's decision to take a fight. I think a lot of fans are a little surprised by the decision considering she had locked up a title fight down the road, but we'll get to that. Casey, how's life with you? Life in Inglewood is fantastic right now. I have a job, I'm healthy, and that's about all you can ask for nowadays. Casey's being positive on the A side. What happened? Well, I mean... Relatively, I mean, just I have a job and I'm healthy, so the the the, the bar is very low now. But uh, yeah, here we are. Sarah, if you're not aware, this is the most positivity Casey started the A side with ever. He's usually, you know, I'm sure our fans will you'll will point it out that he's usually the I next one of us. <laughs> I believe that for sure. All the grunt, but at least you know, no one else gets to hear that. The uh, public yeah, I, gets the joy of Casey. For, for those of you just joining us oh. before we went on the air, oh no! See, now you're gonna hear all the grunting that Casey's yeah. gonna be doing, his breath and cursing and saying all kinds of spells and whatnot. But anyway, uh, you can ask us any question you want. You can use hashtag the Ace on Twitter. You can go on the site. You can post whatever. I'm sure Sarah doesn't want to talk about the UFC the whole time. I'm sure she's gonna to want to talk about all kinds of other things. I'm sure Casey feels the same way, and of course I feel the same way. So ask us anything you want. Anywhere that you can ask us questions. But, of course, Casey, Sarah, you know the drill. Casey, you know the drill. What is our first question? Yeah, um, oh, actually, we got a question for Sarah Coffin right now. Oh, wait. Am I, Casey, half volume again? Am I, am I, am I sounding okay, guys? I, you sound fine to me. Yeah. I can hear you. That's a problem. Uh, okay, we got a question for Sarah Kaufman. Oh, that's not it. <laughs> Hi there. Hi there. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm curious, do any of you guys smoke weed from Hanes G? Well, we know the answer from Casey. It's legal. I'm not even breaking, I'm not even breaking the law. He's talking about breaking the law. It's just a yes or no yeah, question, Casey. Jeez. Ha ha. It's like saying, do you drink milk? No. no you drink soil. No. No one should drink milk. Blech. I like chocolate milk. Are you lactose intolerant? Is there? Or you just don't like milk? No, it's just gross. It's milky and it's <laughs> your mouth. But is that your description for milk? Yeah, it's milky. Yeah, it's like somewhat viscous, like especially when it, there's all the fat in it. It's so thick and yuck. <sighs> Tastes gross. Everyone like, should just drink water. I like chocolate milk and I like coffee milk, the official drink of the state of Rhode Island. So... That answers my milk question. But to answer the actual question, I know Casey does. I do not. I'm not going to answer for Sarah, though. So 
<laughs> I have never even touched weed at all, even though I live in BC, where apparently, you know, BC has really good weed um, and everyone smokes it everywhere all the time. Uh, it's now legal there ish. Ish. It's like federally, ish. federally not legal, but provincially legal, or maybe it's the other way around. I'm not sure. Um, but either way, I've never touched it. All right. All right, lame All right, lame What was that time you had a drink, Sarah? An alcoholic beverage? Oh, um, my coach, Adam Zujek, wanted me to drink with him when he turned 30, maybe. 30? So, I don't know, like. 2007, I think. I was like think. in the 80s. Yeah. 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 Casey, exactly. when's the last time you had a drink? Oh, I don't drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shut up, Four Eyes. Anyway, at 916SamHarris on Twitter. Without a sign in cost of fighting in September, Habib and Justin fighting in October, and I heard October will be two pay-per-views with Habib Justin as the last one. What do you see as the other pay-per-view events looking like? So for those of you who aren't aware, you live under a rock for whatever reason, Israel Asanya is supposedly fighting Paulo Costa in September, and Habib Nurmagomedov is going to title fight, title unification fight against Justin Gaethje. If this tweet is to be believed, there will be two pay-per-views in October. I have not heard that. Uh, but if it was up to you guys, what do you think the second pay-per-view would look like in October? Oh, that's a tough question. So we have, we have Adesanya Acosta. That's going to be, okay. So the second one, oh, man, um, who do we got left? We have, well, uh, Stipe and DC are tied up for this month. That's heavyweight. Light heavyweight, John Jones is, who knows, uh, who knows when he's going to fight. Middleweight, September. Uh, Kamal Usman just fought, so I guess technically he could fight Gilbert Burns uh, if the UFC wanted that. The lightweight is in October. Featherweight, Volkanovski just fought, I guess, if he wanted a quick turnaround after another five-round fight. Uh, but he has a lot of fight, tie, number one contender fights happening. Bantamweight, Peter Jan just got his fight. So if he wants to fight Aljamain in October, that could be another one. Flyweight, the, uh, Figueredo supposedly is going to fight someone uh, in the second half of the, or the, the fourth quarter of 2020. So he could fight someone. And then for women's, Manunas is supposedly taking time off, time off. So that would tie up Featherweight and Bantamweight, which would leave Valentina Shevchenko who I don't know when she's returning. She, of course, had a title fight scheduled for, against Sarah's teammate, Joanne Calderwood, who's now fighting. Uh, in, in the meantime, after their fight was pushed back again, and then Zhang Wiley could fight someone, but who knows? A lot of title champions do not have official number one contenders yet. So there's options. There's options. There's options. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It could, hopefully Valentina versus the winner of what the people's main event tomorrow. On Saturday, JoJo versus Maya. Um, Valentina should be back by then, and then you, yeah, you get get Figueredo back in there. I mean, yeah, there's lots of options. Well, actually, you know what? It's gonna be Bokanovsky Holloway for like on like four. four. They're they're gonna fight like multiple times on the card, probably. Right. I think it would depend on where the pay per view is gonna be. If one of the pay per views is gonna be in Abu Dhabi and the other one's gonna be in Vegas, I think that would. Uh, You'd have to obviously you'd have to book a lot of the international fighters on Abu Dhabi and a lot of the fighters that can get into the states and out of the states in Vegas. So if this is to be believed, I think we'd have to figure out the location before we can even possibly match make another pay per view. So, what's your answer, what, what What do you want to see? That that hasn't that. What what championship fight do you want to see booked, Sarah Kaufman? That's that's not already booked. Yeah, I mean, I like to see see Weili Zhang get back in there. I don't really know against. 
whom, like who would be available and who's like kind of ready for that next kind of spot. But I'd like to see her get back in there. Um, you know, of course, I want JoJo to be fighting for the title. You know, it was supposed to happen in June and then got moved and then got moved and then got moved. Um, and so, you know, hopefully the win this weekend, that could set her up to be back in that title position. But it's really up to Valentina, and Valentina is the one who's uh, been stalling this one out and has been injured. So uh, I, I think November was kind of the talking point. So I don't know if she'd be ready for September or October. All right. So TBD. Let's even figure out if there are going to be two. From Julius underscore Redslow on Twitter. What are the positive side effects of of COVID-19 for the UFC in in parentheses consumer regarding fight cards, ranking dynamics, special way of presentation, production, etc.? So I guess this person is asking what are the benefits to the consumers? So what do you guys think? <laughs> um, you know, sorry, JoJo just came in. She's distracting me. She's not a good person. Uh. She's so distracting. <laughs> she just mooned me, but I won't show that on TV. Um, <laughs> was, it, was it a big flash of white? Like, <laughs> well, not as white as my own, so it's hard to judge, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, I think for the consumer, the fact that so many fights have been on and there hasn't been much other in the way of sports, I think it's been great. I think people have been very excited uh, to watch the fights. Is that what the question's asking? I think so. I think it's just if there's any positive side effects for the UFC consumers. Yeah, I just think that there's stuff to watch. Um, And I think potentially there are more people watching the UFC who maybe wouldn't before, given that there hasn't been a ton of new content coming on, but I think that that's starting to open up now. Casey? No, there's zero pos- There's zero positives to the consumer. I mean, you don't get cool weigh-ins. You don't get, like, any press conferences. You don't... You don't there's get, like, definitely any- a positive. We get a lot of fights in a tiny cage. Uh, only only if it's over here. Who knows? Like, they're gonna- yeah, but that's still a positive. Well, they, 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 had tiny cage- they used tiny cage before, just depending on the arena, so... Yeah, but now they have to. Now but we're going to get Stipe DC in a tiny, tiny cage. cage. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So. One, but that's an illusion, though. Remember? Nope, Casey's but just it, wrong. We also is. get earlier start times. It is. But, uh, uh, does that have to do with the that's not, that's COVID, or does that just have to do just ESPN? <laughs> that's just, just their broadcasting times. Come on, Jose. There's zero positives. There's just, like, there's, can, there's slightly... E, e, they're slightly bad, and you get maybe slightly less than bad, but, but with the UFC, because there's still fights going on. But it's not like we get more fights. It's just like these are just. Remember, we had, we had all those cards canceled, and you know, so um, no positive, no positives for COVID nineteen for the consumer. Oh, Casey. Dude, it's a worldwide pandemic. Like hundreds of thousands of people are dying. Oh, we're like, ah, but, hey, no, we get a small cage. It just seems very odd saying that. Well, for sure, but they're not saying what makes the world better about the <laughs> UFC during COVID. It's just saying what's a, a small positive side effect. Agreed. A positive side effect is um, for a lot of the fighters that um, really do not like doing media. This is a good because 
for so for fight week instead of sitting around for an hour talking to you know 30 different outlets they just have to talk to a laptop for 15 minutes so that's not true like this past week jojo's done like the other day she had two hours straight of interviews and then she's doing two hours straight this morning so it's still a lot okay well they don't talk to us then jojo's not talking to me so well that's because she doesn't like you Fair yeah enough. i was Fair gonna enough. say Fair no one's talking to casey they're talking our own Damon Martin and Mike Heck on what the heck. <laughs> Plug right there. So the so the positives are small cages. Is there yes. anything, anything else? Mm, I like what Paul Felder said, where it gives the opportunity for fighters that are ranked in a certain way to get bigger fights because they're like other fighters would have to be forced to take fights. So like Paul Felder's not going to be close to a title shot. But because so few fighters could get to America and vice versa, it could open opportunities for bigger fights just because those are the only ones available for certain fighters. So that's an advantage advantage for Paul Felder, but not the other fighter. Well, it's an advantage for both. I mean, they both get paid, so there you go. Not not the guy that can't come over here and fight, right? Right. The side effect for him is that he gets to sit on the side, but the side effect for people who are able to make it in is they might get more opportunity. Correct. We've also seen a lot of uh, uh, like LFA, Kombache, Titan FC fighters that get those last minute fill-in replacements and then get to the UFC. So uh, I'm sure they don't want to get to the UFC based on a pandemic, but they if their dream is to get to the UFC and they achieve that, that is some sort of side positive effect. Also, our own Alex Cayley wants to inform us uh, that he drinks three glasses of milk a day. What a man. Oh, his mm-hmm. insides. <laughs> um, all right. I just I just can't wait for this pandemic to be over, which it never will be. <laughs> it will be at some point. <laughs> Has to be. Herb Dean versus Dan Hardy. What are your thoughts on this feud from Zaku Kokegi? So for the, again, for those of you who live under a rock for whatever reason. There was a fight at UFC Fight Island. Uh, was it Trinaldo versus uh, Herb? I can't, not Herb. Um, I don't know the I name. I can't remember his I've opponent's been. name off the top of my head at the moment. But there was a questionable stoppage that Dan Hardy uh, took issue with and was very vocal about during the fight, after the fight. You could be heard yelling at Herb Dean. I'm sure you've all seen the images. I'm sure you've all seen the clips But Dan Hardy. And Herb Dean had a little uh, verbal dust-up after the fight. Herb Dean put out a video to respond. Dan Hardy put out a video to respond. Apparently, there's going to be an investigation for both. So, Sarah, as a fighter, what are your thoughts on this feud between a referee and a fellow fighter? I mean, as... Yeah, I mean, that's tough. The ref has a hard job, no matter what. You stop it too early, everyone complains. You stop it too late, everyone complains. Uh, In that instance, I didn't actually see the fight. I just saw, like, the finish where, you know, uh, Trinaldo drops the other guy. And the guy just falls straight and then stays there and Trinaldo stands over him for long enough, kind of like waiting for Herb to step in and he doesn't. Um, I mean, I 100% thought that it should have been stopped because the other guy wasn't moving. He was just sitting static. And then once he got hit, he again didn't move. He just stayed there. So I thought it should have been stopped, but I do think that it's a really tough job. Um, You know, in Herb's side, if he's like, well, he was... Lying down, he had one arm up, his eyes were facing his opponent. Technically, that is what they, they're looking for. So, I don't know, maybe if it was a different fighter who was in that position, they would have been more upset. But did the guy who, get, who got knocked out, did he complain? 
Because I think that's kind of what matters. I haven't heard anything. I don't think he's directly responded to anyone or anything yet. I don't think he's put out a statement that I've seen anyway, as of right now. Right. What so do you I, think? I, of, I think if that guy matters, yeah. So I don't know. What, what do you think of Dan Hardy basically yelling at Herb Dean in the middle of the fight? I mean, he screamed it at the top of his lungs, "Stop the fight!" And then was seen telling Herb Dean, "Like I'm doing my job, you do yours." Did you see Dan's response to that, though, to how people were claiming that he jumped over or was it yelling at him through the cage and stuff, which he wasn't. He, Dan never left his booth. I thought that no, was, he didn't. I thought he was that, yelling at him from his booth. Yeah. He did stand up and take his headset off, but he never walked out from behind his uh, booth and got in his face. Yeah, I think that's because of course, how Herb Dean, when he leaves the cage, he walks past the booth, so then they had that mm-hmm. confrontation. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's no crowd there. We hear, yeah. we, hear, we hear Rogan, everyone yell, stop the fight all the time and things like that. It's just... This is a unique situation that hasn't happened yet um, in this pandemic era, but we've seen happen plenty of times um, in the normal era. Um, but you no know, Rogan and people going stop the fight, stop the fight. You know, it's just um, yeah, it's just um, no crowd kind of increased the um, intensity. I think. I think it makes a big difference that it's Dan Hardy, a former fighter, yelling. I don't think it would hold as much water if Joe Rogan was yelling at Herb Dean because Joe Rogan has never had a mixed martial arts fight. So I think Dan Hardy has also been very vocal about protecting fighters throughout the year. So uh, if anyone is going to yell at a ref in the middle of a fight, I would assume it would be Dan Hardy. I feel like you always, like what Casey was saying, you always have people yelling. Like you have the crowd yelling at the ref like, boo, stop the fight, get them off the cage. Like the crowd plays such a huge part. It's not supposed to, but it does. But it also masks all that sound, masks other people's opinions, whether it's the corners that are yelling something, whether it's the commentators, you know, when they stand up and, you know, Dana is even yelling stuff sometimes. It's just now everything is heard. Uh, and Dan, of course, is vocal and isn't going to take a step back when he has something he believes in. He wants to stand up for the fighters. He wants to stand up for his opinion and his view on the matter and try and make things better. Um, I, I think it's a good thing. I think you need to have people pushing back on refs, on judges, on corners, um, and on the promotion. I think everyone needs to be pushed uh, and get challenged to make sure that the sport grows and continues to be as safe as possible within the, the rule set that's put in place. Well said. Casey, any other thoughts on it? I thought... Um her made uh, one good point that's not being talked about was um, when uh, he, he could hear Dan Hardy during the fight, no, stop the fight, stop the fight. And basically, but this is bad for him because you've probably experienced this there, like in where like the other camp or the other fighter or maybe your own, your, your, your own camp, when you're beating down your opponent, your camp like stop the fight or like they're tapping, they're tapping. You know, when they didn't tap and things like that, like a lot of times corners, they'll try to confuse the ref often, you know, so. Herb, yeah, so Herb was actually really careful because like a lot of times when you hear stop the fight, that's often the other corner trying to trying to get that early stoppage because, you know, point is to win. So uh, I, I, in the end, I think this is kind of much ado about not nothing, but it's a little overblown, I think, the, the entire well, thing. Herb- Herb Dean has had, uh, he's widely considered one of, if not the best referees. I think that might play a factor because he's held to such a high standard. He's also had a lot of questionable stoppage. Remember the C.B. Dalloway stoppage in Russia? He got a lot of, even C.B. Dalloway came out and said, like, 
that he didn't protect me. He took way too much unnecessary damage. Uh, but then he's also had some questionable stoppages like the Uriah Faber Henenborough fight, uh, the second one. In, uh, when when Uriah got dropped and he had his thumb up while he was getting punched, and then Herb Dean still stopped it. Same as the Ben Askren and Robbie Lawler fight. He was the referee in that fight. So I think Herb that Dean was not a late stoppage. Sure, but it was still <laughs> no, a no, no, no. That's what I mean. Like he's a man of extremes. Yes, uh, but he's also made a lot of phenomenal uh, stop uh, stoppages. I believe he was the ref during the Tim Sylvia Frank Mir fight when Tim Sylvia's arm snapped in half, and Herb Dean was like, "Your arm broke." And Tim Sylvia tried to argue that it didn't. And Herb is like, I saw your arm snap. You can't fight. And then later on, it was revealed that Herb Dean was right. So, like you said, Herb Dean is on a lot of extremes, either a great stoppage or a questionable stoppage. So I think he just held to such a high standard. Still a weird stoppage. And I did, I, it was late, in my opinion. Anyway, it's definitely late ish. Sarah, what's your, what's, your, what's your best refing experience you've had? When you go like you're in a fight, like yeah, that's a good ref. Um, or do you, or or is uh, it one? Is it was, it was one of those things where like if they do your job, if they do their job perfectly, you don't even notice them at all. I, I think that's the thing. If if they do a good job, you just don't really notice. Like they don't don't do a ton of stand ups that that are unwarranted. They don't interfere and change the course of a fight's dynamics too much. They're very clear. They're very concise. Um, I've always. Uh, was it Mike Rosenthal? The, no, the one who went to jail because he had <laughs> oh, this yeah, massive yeah. drop. Yeah. Um, I always really liked him. I thought he was level-headed. I thought he made good, you know, good decisions. Um, you know, I, I've, I feel like I only, I remember the few refs who made bad calls um, or, or did things that I didn't enjoy. But for the most part, I, I haven't had too many experiences where I thought, oh, this was an amazing ref. Uh, because you're just in the moment, and if you don't notice them, I think they do a good job. It's kind of like background music. Yeah. Is there any is there any ref that when you have a fight and you see their refing that you kind of get worried? Uh, what was that? The tall lady ref. She Kate Winslow. The Kate, worst. Kate. And, yeah. You say Kate Winslow? Not, Kate, no, Kate Winslow. Kate Winslow. Winslow. Kate Winslow. She's Winslow. um. The, I know. The, the, she's a French she girl from um, Titanic. She's a great ref, by the way, Kate Winslow. Great actress, better ref. But continue. you say she's the French girl? Paint me like one of your French girls. Yeah, but so she's not French. I know. Yeah. Casey just has yeah. never yeah. seen the movie. It was a oh, you want to talk about Titanic now? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> anyway, yeah, Kay Winslow. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I I'm glad that I didn't have her because I not because she's female, but just because I thought she was a terrible ref. Um, and I don't think she refs anymore, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that there are a couple that you're like, oh, you know, I don't remember some of their names, but sometimes I'm like, oh, I hope I don't have them just because I haven't liked their demeanor or kind of what they've done. But overall, I don't really care as long as I get to fight. And um, I don't think they're going to stop something early or, or make bad calls. If they're pretty consistent in their refing, uh, I think then that's great. Judging, I wouldn't, yeah. I don't like any of the judges. <laughs> I think Kate Winslow, he, she was a referee during Gabriel Gonzaga, Dave Herman, who were two of the bigger heavyweights the UFC yeah. has had. And it was a stoppage. And when she jumped in, she like put all of her weight into shoving. I think it was Gonzaga. I can't remember who won that fight. It was at UFC 162. She like lunged and put, used all of her strength to put Gonzaga off and she just fell down. 
Like she did not even remotely budge Gonzaga from getting off of her. So uh, getting off of uh, Herman, I think it was her. I think it was that fight. But yeah, uh, I haven't. I forgot about her until you mentioned her. Brought her name up. And she was she great was in Titanic. So she was. I heard, I heard she left the refing industry to pursue mm-hmm. a full time. Um, she's a boating actress. A boating actress. <laughs> she just specializes in boat movies. What, is, what are your favorite boat yeah. movies, Sarah? No, what the, think mm-hmm. about it. What think about it? Speed two. <laughs> good choice. Uh, what are some other good boating movies? I mean, Jaws. That's kind of a boating movie. Yeah, there was a boat in there for sure. Um, yeah, and, and YouTube comments your favorite your favorite boat movies. Um, feel free to chime in. My God, what do you got? Anyway. What do you got? What do you got, Jose? <laughs> Poseidon. There's a boat in that. Yeah, they're on a boat. <laughs> the whole movie is based on a boat that turns upside down. Spoiler. Oh, what about Little Mermaid? Uh, oh yeah, there is a boat on that. They get married on a boat. You can marry on the boat. Pirates of the Caribbean three. I liked that movie. All these spoilers. I didn't know. I didn't. I only watched the first half of Little Mermaid. Oh, oh. what was that one? That one? You know, the kid in the boat. The whole movie with the the tiger. Oh the, yeah, the yeah. Um, Life, uh, of, Life of Boats. Life of Pie. Yeah, Life of Boats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a good movie. Ten out of ten movie. Um, <laughs> Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. What? Oh, man. Hold on. Let me go to the... Uh, it's not a good YouTube comment I like. For Habib's last fight, which do you prefer, GSP or Tony? So, again, if everyone lives under a rock, uh, Dana White has come out and said for Habib's last ever fight, he would consider booking Habib Nurmagomedov versus the retired former two-division champion, who many consider the greatest fighter of all time, George St. Pierre. Uh, I also read, I believe, that Habib's father, Habib said his father wanted him to retire at 30-0, and and I believe right now he's 28-0, which would be two more fights. So if he beats Gaethje, he'd be 29-0, so his last fight would could go in for 30-0. I want, I want him to fight GSP and Tony Ferguson, so I want him to retire at 31-0 if that is the case. So, But regardless... Who would you guys rather see him fight for his last fight? I mean, I don't want to see GSP come back. Uh, you know, I think that he's done all he wants to do in the sport and at this point, even though I'm pretty sure that he still trains um, and is dedicated to training just for fun. I just don't think that I, I just don't want to see him come back. I, I'm happy that he's retired and has done an amazing things for the sport, but I don't want to see him come back. I think the Tony fight, as far as like the must-have fight, um, I think that's pretty much gone. I don't think that's a must-have anymore. I think because uh, it was all based on the streaks, and now that Tony streak is done, um, and if, if Habib loses to Gaethje, um, maybe Tony. But um, yeah, I would think if Habib beats Gaethje, his final fight will either be against GSP for all the money in the world, or. Uh, Kamara Usman, if he's still champ by then. I don't think he's gonna fight Usman. Okay. No way. They're both managed by Ali. I don't think they. I don't think they would fight. I don't think Habib. What, 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 I don't think Ali would want a champ versus champ, right there. Why? Is it, isn't Gaethje's? Isn't Gaethje's sponsored? I mean, managed by Ali yes, too. Yes, but yes, but I think I don't think Habib. I don't think 
it would be like what if so Habib moves up and wins and beats Usman and then he retires and then just vacates both belts I don't think that would happen okay so I think I still want to see the Tony Ferguson fight I still want to see Manny Pacquiao fight Mayweather after he lost I still want to see Tony Ferguson fight Habib even though he lost Mayweather fought Pacquiao I know and I still wanted to see it oh, even yeah. though Pacquiao had lost before him I still want to see Tony Ferguson fight Habib Nurmagomedov That's- end of story do you, so you think Tony gets a title shot after just yeah. direct, after losing the Gaethje, a direct title shot still? Yeah. Oh, it's just, the UFC. Ah. It's the UFC. Jose Aldo got a title shot. Why can't Tony Ferguson? Oh, okay. We're, maybe we're playing. Okay, we're not, well, we're just using okay, use the UFC logic then. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's, I'm using evidence that was given to us. If Gustafson could get a title shot first round knockout, I think Tony Ferguson can get a title shot after going on a 12-fight win streak and losing once. Anyway, or just have a fight again. Yeah, just keep on fighting. And they can be the co-main event can be Holloway Volkanovski seven. <laughs> I thought it's crazy because I, I'm actually not against that re- the trilogy because I thought Holloway won. So <laughs> I'm not against it either. I just don't it just sounds it. it just sounds weird. I get it sounds weird, but I I, I don't think I there should be something in between. I agree. Like if you, you know, even if they're both split decisions, they're both really close fights, and maybe you had, you know, Volkanovski losing on both of them. They were still really close fights, uh, and he's now two up in the series. So at least have Holloway fight someone else first, and then sure, if you really want to make the third one, make the third one. I agree. I think it got all screwy when they did the direct rematch, which I didn't want anyway. I thought I thought Holloway I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought Holloway lost the first time pretty pretty decisively, and um, so. Do, 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 do. Oh. <laughs> Max versus Volk trilogy. Danis is on board to a third fight right away. Do you want to see this right away? If not, who gets the next title shot? Korean Zombie. So we just talked about it. Dana White has said he it makes sense to do a third fight between Holloway and Volkanovski. Sarah and I both agree that this, Max should take a fight between that if they want to do that. If that's the case, I want to see Korean Zombie versus Alexander Volkanovski really badly. Uh, there's a lot of phenomenal 145ers fighting uh, and that are have upcoming fights or will have fights soon that need to shake out before we can fantasy match make but i think max should fight calvin cater and if he beats calvin they can get a tell shot and in the meantime i think korean zombie should fight volkanovsky but sarah your thoughts yeah i'm not super familiar with the rankings of who's where and what's going on in that division i mean cater looked really good um so i think that that would be a, a good solution to have cater and and holloway fight um but as i say i'd like to see Probably both of them have another fight. Give Volkanovski someone different, you know, in between, and then Max give him someone different, and then if they both win, then you can set up a trilogy fight, make it big. I agree. Max would be coming off a win. Volkanovski could be coming off a win. Uh, it would be refreshing for the division because we got Ortega, Korean Zombies, a beat. Yair, even Dan Ige in a loss. We Case and I both agreed on the post-fight show. Gained a lot of momentum even though he lost because that was such a phenomenal fight edson barbosa wants to stick around at 145 that could be a possibility jose Aldo how does back he up to 145 this is the question my I, goodness yeah. i'm so surprised he made it. it i was there for that fight and he looked like death but 
he looked great in the fight. He just came he came up short, even though I think he actually won on the judges. In my mind, he won, but on the judges' scorecard, Danny he won. He so. Anyway, Casey, you want to see the rematch right away? No, um, Dana is right where it makes sense, but the problem is making the, the making. You can't use the logic makes sense when when Holloway lost the first one, and to me, the rematch, the original rematch, didn't make sense. The trilogy actually does make sense, but the the rematch didn't make sense. Wait, what? What? Why? Um, is Zombie coming off? What's What's Zombie coming off? The win off Frankie Edgar? What else? Yeah, first round knockout. And before that uh, was what? Before that, he knocked out Moicano. Both first round knockouts. Okay, and, and uh, Moicano was after he got knocked out by Yair, right? Am I missing? Yes. It? Yes. Is that is he? And Yair hasn't fought since uh, the Stevens fight, right? Correct. But supposedly they want to book this fight against Zabit, which has been booked two or three times already. Yeah, the 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 featherweight bookings are weird. Like, so Zabit or Zabit or is Ortega booked? Is that I keep saying like his no. name? No, so, Ortega wants to fight Korean Zombie really badly. Gee, so like the top the top six featherweights in the UFC rankings, none of them are booked right now. <laughs> Calvin Cater's two and zero in two thousand twenty. If that makes a difference. Yeah, but but Calvin Ayer, Korean Zombie, Ortega, Zabit, and Max, the top six guys. Top six guys. None of them have fights booked, right nope. now. Nope. Nope. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 why? Why? Yeah. You could put any of those guys versus um, Volkanovski right now. Right now, um, yeah. The, the 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 way they're building up the featherweight seem very odd right now. So, I think I think I think it's ju- justification for any one of those guys to face Volkanovski next. Agreed. Which I one sells the best though? Which one sell? Which one sells? Which one makes the most money? That's what matters here, right? Mm, probably Korean Zombie. Think so. All right. Mm-hmm. I think Korean Zombie is incredibly popular. I mean, if you wanted to get into the Russian market, Zabit would be the one. Obviously, they they have a champion and uh, uh, Peter Yan and a champion Habib. If they want to go for a third Russian champ in a market that doesn't can't be in the World Cup or the Olympics, I think people overlook that. They are desperate for are, sports stars. Are, are Russians buying pay per views though? That's Is what, anyone that's buying pay per views in 2020? Yeah, then what, what, one million pay per views. Did you, uh, did you see there was someone posted on Twitter that they got double charged for, through Google Play for UFC for one of the like UFC 242 what? or 241 I think it was. So, and a bunch of people are like, "Hey, so did I." Like they got charged by UFC TV and Google Play, so they got double pay per views off of one person. So if that's the case, I'm very curious to see if those numbers were accurate. But that's a side story. That's that, that's how you make money. Yes, you're not wrong. That's how you do it. From Jay Romero, longtime commenter, uh, Average Joe R on Twitter, binge watch Kingdom this past week while stuck in bed, and honestly, one of the best things I've seen in recent memory. I'm wondering what you th- what you all think are the best slash and and slash or most accurate to. to depictions of combat sports and movies slash tv to date sarah as an actual professional fighter of all of the things you've seen uh combat sports portrayed on mma on movies and tvs i'm gonna assume combat sports is boxing muay thai mma all that good stuff what is the most accurate depiction I haven't watched most of those movies, honestly. Like, I haven't seen any of the Rockies, uh, <laughs> Kickboxer, like any, I really haven't seen any of them. Uh, what have I seen? I've seen, like, Ong Back, 
I've Oof. seen Haywire, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, just has Gina in it, but it isn't really a fighting movie. Uh, I've seen Million Dollar Baby, which I thought was a good movie, but, uh, you know, none of them really have accurate depictions of actual fighting. Uh, what was that one? Bro- was it Brothers? Warriors. Warrior. Warriors. That one. I thought that one was pretty good. I mean, the fighting's never good in any of them, really, but I thought that one was pretty good. I like that one. I think that's what most people point to as the most accurate depiction of MMA, even though it is incredibly Hollywood, because fighters are having full-on conversations in the middle of fights while they're fighting. Um, Casey, what do you think? I've never seen Kingdom. Is that the that's the TV show, right? Yeah, TV show. It's um, yeah. it's the most accurate in terms of um regional scene because it's about it's about fighters kind of coming up, um and um yeah um. If you're into mixed martial arts dramas, I would actually recommend Kingdom. But as far as the uh, most accurate depiction in combat sports in a movie, um, Here Comes the Boom. Fight Club. No, Here Comes the Boom. I haven't seen that one either. Is that with uh, King of Queens guy? Yeah. What's his name? Kevin James? And when I saw it the fir- at first, I was like, no, this is stupid. Because the premise is he's like a... A uh, band teacher or something, uh, whatever. He needs to raise money to for the band field trip or something. So he starts fighting right. MMA. But because it picks up more publicity, he get um, well in the in the movie Joe Rogan signs him, but <laughs> but the UFC signs him. I'm like, no way, some random band teacher would be in the UFC. But now looking at today's standards, yeah, I can see that just for. <laughs> Yeah, but they had but they had lots I've of cool stuff. Seen. They had they had they had they had all the old gimmicks. They had Chell in it. Chell did a fake tap. You know, he's like, I did a tap. You know, and they had a guy throwing up after he gets his hand raised. They had a cage collapse. They had guys fighting in the rain. So um, all those kind of like stories you hear about guys you know, on their way up to the big show, they have that all part of the movie. So here comes the boom. Is that the one? Is Boss Ruin in that movie? Yes, he is. And Henry Winkler. I've- that makes sense. I've never seen that movie. <laughs> I liked *A Prayer Before Dawn*, which was a Thai movie about a English man who goes to Thai prison and learns and fights Muay Thai to get out. I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. Sarah, do you watch movies? Do you just watch? What are you, what are you watching right now, Sarah? Uh, well, because I have Netflix at John and JoJo's house, I started watching *Money Heist* the other day, a couple nights ago. Um, it's like a Spanish show, but it's English dubbed, um, and it's just like these people who go into a, a bank and or the Spanish Mint and are trying to do like a you know two point six billion euro money heist. Um, so I just started that, but you know I typically tend to like the more reality singing shows like Songland, The Voice, things that I can sing to. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> If you haven't, um, Google it, but uh, Sarah Kaufman did sing uh, Face to Pain earlier this year. <laughs> That's oh, very true. I accept that very seriously. Good. I'm proud of you. I, I, I wanted everyone to. You, you nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, hold on. This is an important question. See it? What's that? Ryan Elliott, what about the crazy fighter with the turnout performance 10 days apart? Uh, Shemayev is his first name. What's his first? What's his? I mean, his last name. What's his first name? Kazmat Shemayev. Shemayev. Uh, yeah. Broke Chaz Kelly's record for most wins 
in the, the shortest amount of time in UFC history. So fought on the, what was it, the Davidson Figueredo fight card? Was it that one? Or was it the Wednesday one? Which was Wednesday and then the Saturday. Yeah, so he fought on the Ige Cater card, and then 10 days later. Wait, wait. I, oh, let, let me rephrase, let me rephrase. He fought on Wednesday at middleweight, and then 10 days later fought again at welterweight and won. So he's 2-0 in the UFC, and he's only and he's had in 10 days. It's supposedly Dana White wants to book him at UFC 252, which is in a couple weeks. So what'd you, what did you think when you heard of a fighter fighting 10 days apart, winning 10 days apart in two different weight classes, Sarah? Uh, I didn't realize that they were two different weight classes and that he went down in weight for the second one. Did he step in on short notice for the first one nope. and went up in weight? Did he get signed at a higher weight? or just- So I... Oh, I don't know if the, the so his natural weight is welterweight, and then I don't know the details of his first okay, fight. It might have been his, reason. but I will say when he fought Reese McKee, who is a very highly touted, uh, was a very highly highly touted prospect coming out of the UK scene, he is I he's really a lightweight. So Shemayev is technically two and zero in the UFC, but he's never fought a welterweight. He's fought a middleweight, a middleweight, and a lightweight at welterweight. So. Uh, that is the full story, but yes, at the end of the day, he's two and zero, and I think we all agree one of the bigger stars coming out of Fight Island. Yeah, I didn't actually see either fight live. I saw kind of like the finishes after the fact, um, and then realized that it was the same person. It, it's pretty incredible. I think with everything going on, it seems like the fighters who are fighting are have been fighting multiple times in a very short period of time. It's almost mm-hmm. like the same fighters have fought both in June and July, which as a fighter, I think if your body feels good is pretty incredible. And to get that 10 day apart, you're already there. You just stayed longer. Uh, it was a smart decision. You know, you just, you put yourself in the right place. You get the opportunity, you take it, and you make the most of it. Uh, so hopefully he, he just keeps getting bumped up and, and, you know, kind of rides the train. He's already gaining comparisons uh, with Habib. A lot of people on the internet, uh, the internet, refer to him as Habig because he's just a bigger version of Habib. Uh, that seems to be his nickname on Twitter and Reddit. Um, even who was it? Dan Hardy was already talking about booking him against Kamara Usman, even though for all this two and zero talk, I think he's only seven and zero or eight and zero professionally. I don't want to see him fight for championship right away. Casey wants to see him thrown into the top fifteen right away, which I don't have a problem with because he's looked absolutely dumb. I don't think he absorbed a single strike in either fight. So it was like he outstruck his opponents like 120 to zero or something crazy like that in two fights. So main training partner uh, with Alexander Gustafson. So Alexander Gustafson put out a statement after his loss saying sucks that I lost, but how about my teammate? Let's all talk about him instead. So has the backing of world-class fighters. Uh, Yeah. A big star coming up. One of the bigger stars. And I think a name we, everyone needs to pay attention to. Sarah, got an important question for you. What was your favorite Songland episode? Oh, um, that AK is League. a good question. This is uh, from um, an AL from the... I think that's Alex Cayley, fellow Canadian. Oh, oh, that's hard. There's a There's been a lot of good ones. There's been a lot where I've enjoyed the songs afterwards. I actually, season one, like the Kelsey Ballerini a lot, uh, even though I don't like country music. I thought that one was really good. Uh, and then this season, there was actually... Um, BB Rexa was on it and she, it's very intriguing how they, uh, like change songs and can hear different beats. And she was supposed to have this song for the opening of the, like the Olympic song, 
but with the Olympics not happening, it got moved. But she actually ended up taking two of the final songs and like putting them together and doing her own thing with it, which I thought was pretty incredible. Um, I, I'm just very, I mean, it's of course commercialized and like dumbed down for the people like me who are watching, but it seems like an interesting look into the process of songwriting and how it works. I have never even heard of Songland until this episode oh, of the A side. Oh, you don't get it's out. You don't great. get out. Jeez. And they like pitch. These are like up and coming songwriters come in and they pitch songs for like a specific artist. The artist then chooses three of the four, Whoa. and then Whoa. they get to work oh with God. like the mentor make the song better. It, it, it's it's a pretty great show if you like. So it. it's a it's a show about up and coming songwriters, not singers. No, it's. Uh, the songwriters come on and get to work with like oh. Ryan Tedder or Shane okay. something or other, some country guy. They get to work with these like well-known producers mm. uh, and they create a song for a specific artist. Like a well, like Usher was on this mm. year. Uh, yeah. The little big town or whatever they're a bunch of people are on that people know. It's good. You Learn something it. new every day. From Hames G in the YouTube comments, how does Sarah see a potential fight between uh, fight against Kayla Harrison going? How will she neutralize that Olympic caliber judo? Does she look at it as a rematch, so to speak, since Kayla's a bigger and better Ronda? Uh, I mean, I think Kayla and Ronda are very different. Um, for sure, I think Kayla's actually more well-rounded than Ronda was um, in a lot of senses. I don't know if that fight will happen. Uh, you know, 155 is very large, so at this point I am kind of stepping back from that and hoping to fight again at 135. Um, you know, but, but I think the way you fight Kayla is you, you know, you have to know your pressure, know your range, uh, not be worried about throwing. You know, you, you, at some point you're probably going to get taken down. She doesn't tend to do a lot of damage on the ground, um, I don't think, but uh, she's very dominant. Like, she was able to control Larissa for five rounds. Um, you know, it was kind of like just like the same thing every round. It was like user strikes a little bit, big takedown, and then great top pressure. So the key would really be, you know, neutralizing some of those takedown injuries, stuffing some takedowns uh, if you're able to, and then just working constantly to have great cardio to get back to your feet if it happens, use your range, uh, and then hit her hard. Oh. Well, there you go. Hope everyone was taking notes. The breakdown. Uh, How's the whole PFL process been during pandemic? We just had Lance Palmer come out and request his release and had a few gripes with upper management of the Professional Fighters League. Yeah, I haven't had any issues with PFL. I think that uh, they were in a tough situation, especially at the start of the pandemic. Their season was supposed to start uh, in May, and clearly mm -hmm. you can't really start a season when everything's shut down. You know, you have fighters from 25 different countries all coming into the same spot. Um, logistically, it just wasn't going to work. But it is hard to say, hey, we're pushing the season a full year. You know, if, like, I hadn't fought since October. So that would be, you know, essentially over a year and a half between your last fight and the next fight. Um, I think it's great that they were offering stipends to some of the fighters that they were wanting to keep on. Um, but again, it's hard to only have... Um, um, can you hear my uh -oh. phone going? Oh, sure I can. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. Amateur. I'm so sorry. I thought I had it turned off. I'm an amateur. I sure am. Um, but yeah, so I think that they did what they were trying, you know, what they were able to do. But it's just hard when um, you're you're having to sit on the sidelines. For me, 
Uh, I have a great relationship with them. I I'm, love fighting for the promotion uh, and the fact that I'm now able to to look to fight in my own weight class at 135. Uh, you know, I'm grateful for for the fact that I have that opportunity. Um, you know, because 155 is really not uh, where I fit in in the realm of height, weight, and size. Do you, do you ever actually weigh 155 pounds? Uh, when I eat a lot of cookies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, during COVID, I got up to like 157, 158, um, but was like just heavier than I needed to be. But right now, I'm all the way down at like 147, so I, I feel much better. So this this is your normal kind of in shape weight when you, right what you're yeah now. like one yeah 150 around 150 is kind of where I'm in shape but still you know training and still moving around but uh, able to to drop quickly if I needed to 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 make weight at 135. Question from Captain Saxman in the YouTube comments for Sarah. If you, as a Canadian, could only bring one of the following to Fight Island in Abu Dhabi, what would you bring? Alcohol or pot? Well, I don't yeah. drink either. <laughs> I don't drink and I don't eat or whatever. You know, I don't do either. So uh, I would probably, I mean, JoJo just brought out some, I brought some Canadian leaf cookies with maple filling in them. You know, I'd probably just bring some kind of Canadian treat. Ah. What were those cookies? Uh, those were uh, chocolate maple-filled uh, Canadian maple leaf, oh. like stuffed cookies. You know. Right. Those sound dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so neither cookies is the answer, Captain Saxman. Cookies. From Smokey J MMA. Okay, we talked about this question in the MMA fighting staff, and we think it is absolutely bizarre. Taking the actual size out of the equation, what do you feel is the biggest challenge for fighters with the size difference between the 25 and 30 foot octagon? So, this individual is asking, what is the biggest difference between the 25 and 35 and 25 and 30 foot octagon besides the size? So don't take into account the size difference. But what's the difference between the two 25 and 30 foot octagons? They can squish more logos uh, in yeah. one camera angle in the 25 foot oh. one versus the 30 foot one. What do you prefer, uh, Sarah? Do you prefer a smaller environment or a bigger environment to fight in? Like a phone well, booth or do you want like a, just a big, I don't know, football field to run around on? Yeah, definitely not a football field. Somewhere in the middle, you know, like we have, uh, you know, at my gym, Victoria Zuma, we had a cage. It was a pretty small cage. So it was almost like, you know, a couple steps and you're against the, the fence. So you don't get to use as much footwork and distancing as maybe you'd like. Uh, and there have been fight promotions like the smaller ones where the cage is literally like you take two steps to the middle, you put your hand out, you're touching the other person. Um, so somewhere in between that and the massive one, because the massive cage... Uh, unless you're a heavyweight, and even then, you know, if someone's good at moving and that's all they want to do, it's hard to cut them off. And so the whole fight, if someone wants to, you can just chase them and chase them and chase them. And it's hard to either pin them down or cut them off as much as you need to with just that vast kind of openness. Uh, I do think 25-foot cage is perfect. I think it's still really big. Like, it's still plenty of room that if you are really good at using footwork you can still maneuver and 
and get yourself into a counterfighting position where you're on the outside, but you have to be more active with it than when you're in the huge cage. You don't have to be that technically sound or that good to keep distance if you really want to. So I like the 25-foot cage. It's large enough that you can use all your attributes, but small enough that you can still use your attributes if you don't want someone to just run around the whole fight and not engage. There you go. That's why that's why, that's so, why we bring Sarah Kaufman on the show for intelligent so answers you, like that. So do you think? And we talked about this on the post-fight show. At watching Rose Namajunas and Jessica Andrade in the mat in the big thirty-foot octagon, it seemed to be the the consensus would be it would be a totally different fight between the two hundred fifty-pound fighters fighting the twenty-five-foot octagon. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the second fight if it would have been a totally different fight because it didn't seem like Andrade was pushing in, I didn't think, too much to try and close that distance compared to the first fight where she really tried to like get her against the cage. Um, but, but I do think that it's a factor. You know, you have to train knowing what you're fighting in and knowing if it's going to be super, you know, a lot of movement or if you're going to be able to close that distance quickly. Well, that was by far the most in-depth answer we've had on the difference between the octagons taking the size out of the equation. Bizarre question, but we got a phenomenal answer. And this is why we bring Sarah on the show. <laughs> can the, <laughs> oh, oh, right. From MMG2K20 on Twitter, can the MMA media collectively agree to not ask Habib questions about his father during the build-up to his fight, or should these questions be expected? Hashtag the A-side. Well, I'm gonna, I think this... I don't know if, it, if it's male or female commenter. This individual is re- referring to uh, before Habib's fight against Dustin Poirier, he was getting a lot of questions about what's it like to have your father in your corner this fight. And I think he got fed up with it after a while because then he started to kind of poke fun at that question that they kept asking. Case, you were there in Abu Dhabi. That question was presented by a lot of Russian and Arabic media, correctly? Correct? Yeah. It was, yeah, essentially all the, uh, the Russian media was... They were asking about 30 different variations of the same question about Habib's dad. And this is, you no know, when he was healthy and just, you know, this is nothing to do with the virus or anything. It's just how people understand. I would imagine if he does the virtual media day, he will get asked. He's going to, someone's going to ask him. I think it's a question you should at least ask, uh, but maybe not. You'd have to ask it a, a certain way. And then once, since it's all, it's a scrum, I would hope <laughs> that's the only time he's asked about that. But we've watched enough virtual media days. Uh, these past few months to know that the media really likes to ask the same question at the beginning and end of scrums. So uh, I guess but, no, he'll he'll get the question and hopefully um, sure. hopefully Habib can kind of answer it, you know, thoroughly and just like and everyone's gonna go all right, cool. Now let's talk about yeah. the actual no punch punching part. Well, yeah, I think you, I think if you don't address it, it's weird. It, it also is, yeah, it's weird to not address it, to not say, like, you know, we're sorry about what's happened. You know, our condolences go out to you. He's been such a, a huge part of your life and such a huge part of your fighting career and how you've been brought up. How, you know, how are you dealing or how did this camp go? Um, and how are you honoring him in your next fight? Something along those lines. You address it. You show empathy. Uh, he can answer it. And then hopefully no one else addresses <laughs> it further from there. And. If it's in Abu Dhabi, which we I think is most likely, I know the the location wasn't made official yet, 
but they do a virtual media day with all the fi- uh, media not on site, and then they do a separate scrum for media on site. So I imagine he'll get asked in both, and hopefully that is it, and I hopefully it's tasteful enough that it is not just so hammers him about the passing of his father. But yes, uh, we only have a few minutes left. I know we started early because Sarah had to leave a little bit early. Uh, so Casey, do we have any rapid fire questions for us before do, we do, sign do, off? Do, do, um, one more. Uh, rapid fire. What's next for Wonderboy? Welterweight has been a hot topic recently, but I don't hear the name Stephen Thompson much. Based on the rankings, he doesn't look too far from a title shot. What's next for Wonderboy? How do you see a fight between him and Usman going? Sarah, what's next for Wonderboy? From JSTOR on the site. You know, I don't actually even know where he's sitting in the rankings. I think that uh, Thompson versus Usman, I think uh, Usman will do very similar to what he did in his last fight with uh, Masvidal. Thompson will make it hard. If it's in the bigger cage, he'll have a bit more success with that. Um, if it's in the smaller cage, I think he'll have a bit more trouble. Um, I don't I don't know if I really care to see that fight, honestly. Thompson's ranked number six. Right now. He's ranked number six right now. and I. Yep. And, and like, yeah, so in front of Thompson right now on the UFC rankings is Woodley, Masvidal, Edwards, Covington, and Burns. Um, Thompson's like, you can put Thompson, Thompson against anyone, honestly, probably uh, anyone other than Woodley. They're not going to put him against Woodley or Covington. Other than Woodley. Is, is he fought Covington uh, already or just because that fight doesn't, no one wants to see that fight? Who? What, Thompson? Yeah. They haven't fought, but Woodley's wants to, Woodley and Covington both say they're fighting each other next. So I'm not counting those two. Uh, Leon Edwards is sitting there. Masvidal's sitting there. I like those two fighting each other because of the history, but Masvidal has been on record many a time. He even said to us when we interviewed him that he wants to rematch Stephen Thompson before he calls it a career. Um, selfishly, I've always wanted to, and it doesn't make sense ranking-wise, but I've always wanted to see Stephen Thompson and Robbie Lawler fight really bad. I know they've been kind of circling each other for so long i think robbie lawler is what like 12 or 13 somewhere in there i want to see that fight five rounds but if robbie doesn't fight for a while that's out of the equation so yeah steven thompson versus i don't know the winner jeff neal and neil magny that fight's coming up soon too there's a lot but again there's a lot of fights that have to happen or have to even get booked first before we can fantasy match make steven thompson versus shamayev let's go it let's do it okay there you go just just throw it out there and see what happens all right, Man. rapid fire, rapid fire. Ooh, get rid of that. Do you think Brudson gets murked this Saturday from Hames GL? Yes, so those of you who don't know, Dude. Derek Brunson is fighting in a three-round main event against the hot prospect Edmund Shabazzian. Uh, Sarah, your thoughts? Does Brunson get murked, as this individual says? Uh, I honestly have no idea because I don't. I haven't even looked at that fight. The only fight I care about is the co-main event that I think should be the main event, which is Joanne Calderwood and Jennifer Maya. So that's the fight that I care about the most. Uh, maybe I'll watch the main event. Maybe I won't. I probably will. But either way, uh, Joanne Calderwood looking to have a big finish, uh, and then I want to see her get that title shot right away after. So I'm super excited that she took the fight. So I'm just going to ignore the question and then talk about how awesome JoJo is. There you go. That's what I would expect. Yep. Casey, do I think Brunson gets murked? No, he does not get murked. No one's no one's getting murked. That's a. I like the fight. Someone did this weird. Um, you may lose on Reddit. But murking. I don't know. Someone did this weird comparison on Reddit where it seems like all of these middleweight prospects that come up, they fight Tavares, Brunson, 
Uriah Hall in some form, like bang, 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 all in a row. And like that is exactly like that seems to be the path Shabazzian most likely will take if he might fight the winner of Uriah Hall and Romero, especially if Uriah Hall wins. And then Israel Adesanya basically did that minus Uriah Hall. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm very curious about this fight because we've seen this path before and now that champion, he is the champion right now, Israel Adesanya. So, but very excited for that fight, but also probably more excited for the Joanne Calderwood, Jennifer Maya fight because that actually has title implications. Right. Yeah. On the line. Oh, it's going. JoJo's right there. She's waiting for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> we got to go. We got. Is that it? That's <laughs> two more. Wait, two more questions. Two, quick, quick one. Quick one. Because okay, this is for Sarah. That's a sad thing about Valentina. Since she fought her, she became well known in MMA? Question mark. Well, I mean, since we fought, she has become well known. That is a fact. That one's not a question. Um, I mean, I think that Valentina is very skilled. Uh, granted. When I fought her, uh, we had no idea who she was. It was like an eight-day replacement. Hey, you want to fight this girl? I said, sure, why not? Like, I don't care. Um, you know, and, and that fight, I it was a split decision. I think that I could have won that fight very easily. Um, but I think that she's very skilled. I think her ability to distance and pace a fight, she kind of draws you and lulls you into what she likes to do. Uh, she's very skilled at her distance. She's very skilled. Um you know, with the game plan that she tries to implore, uh, and she's often very successful with it. So uh, I think that Valentina is great. Um, you know, I I think that she's at this point hasn't had, um, you know, at, at 125 too much challenge. But uh, I, I was very excited for the JoJo fight, and again, uh, when she gets to actually make that fight, I uh, can't wait to to be in her corner and and watch her get that title from Valentina. There you go. Yeah. Final question. Can Sarah take a fight in the UFC with PFL down for now? Question mark from Terrence Leverett on the YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually currently available to take fights uh, where I'd like. Um, I've talked with the PFL, and uh, as of you know, for now, um, I'm not with them right now. Um, If for next season I decide that I want to go back, that's always an option. I have a really good relationship with them, but um, for now, I'm in a position where I'm just Sarah Kaufman myself. And uh, if something came up at 135 in the UFC, even potentially 145, as I say, I'm on weight. I'm currently in Vegas. So uh, August 8th, if something happens there, uh, I'll be here. There you go. Casey's at it. That's it. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm rolling the outro music right now. Well, that's it. I know Sarah and Jojo have to get out. I'm driving up to Las Vegas tomorrow, so I'll see you in Vegas, uh, Sarah, awesome. for the fights. Uh, but. Well, we got to wrap this up quickly. So th- I'm Jose. That's Casey. That's Sarah Kaufman. She's got to go. We'll see you next Wednesday. We're out. Thanks so much, guys. Sign Sarah Kaufman. Sign Sarah Kaufman. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.